Oh, I like it. I like the intro. Um, yeah, welcome to God Talk. Uh, God, ah, damn, I messed it all up. Welcome to Guy Talk Podcast. I'm sorry. I'm a little tired, man. I've been up since 5 o'clock this morning. I did a full day of work with my dad. Uh, doing a special project. And uh, I'm kind of exhausted. I just ate, so I got the itis a little bit. It's all good. Yeah, but welcome to Guy Talk Podcast with uh, myself, Gerald, and uh, my my BFF, Robbie, over here. Is that is that weird for a dude to say BFF? I was, as soon as you said it, I was, <laughs> I was thinking it, but I didn't, I wasn't going to say anything, because you were like, you actually got that right, so, <laughs> the intro, so I just, hey, you know, man, you know, it's, it's one of those things, man, I, I don't think that's fair, that women are the only one that can say that, well, but that's the thing, do you want to say that, hey, man, you're my BFF, but you can say it, but you, I mean, do you want to say it, sometimes, I think women, when they say it, they just don't, they don't really care. But guys, we're like, you know, if we say it, we're like, hold on. Hey, man. It's all heterosexual, you know what I'm saying? You butcher my BFF. Well, hey, I mean, if I if I were to ever say that, I would say it for you. All right, there we go. I appreciate it. I don't say, I don't say it, though, so. Okay, there we go. Um, but how you doing, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Good. Uh, vacation, um, started my vacation, so I don't got to go to work for a week. That's what's up. Any plans? Not go to work for a week. That's it? That sounds like a plan to me. We'll see how it unravels. <laughs> um, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and talk about last week off the top. Um, yeah, that was, that was my fault last week. I, um... Didn't schedule properly, and then um, I ended up getting busy and just not taking care of business the way I should have. So, like I said on last week's podcast, that was 100% my fault uh, why we didn't get to do this correctly. Um, and with that being said, I hope your topics that you had aren't, like, stale now. Yeah, that, everything that I had is, and it was good stuff, but it's, you know, whatever. There's My bad. In, there's always new stuff in the news. All right, cool. All right, so go ahead. Jump off, man. Uh, let's see. First, uh, did you see Captain Marvel yet? I have not, unfortunately. Like it? Good stuff? It was all right. Just all right? Uh man, you gotta be careful, man, with that. You gotta tread lightly. You know, Marvel first uh, female-driven superhero. If you don't like it, people are gonna label you as a sexist or something. Well, it, you could have plugged anybody in there, and it was all right. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was just it was all right. Hmm. You think it sets up anything for the future? Um. Yeah, 
mean, you know. Without giving spoilers away. Without getting spoilers away, yeah, like, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, when you get another, uh, when you get another, you know, another piece to play with. Hmm. And you're just like, okay, that's a seemingly pretty good one. What about, um, do you think, uh, being the first female-driven Marvel character, uh, to headline a movie, do you think, uh, it was worth the wait? Um, I think they could have done it with something, with something different, but, hmm. like, I'm trying not to spoil anything, but, yeah, I, I don't know, I think, um, there are some other deserving characters. Okay. But, you know, that, I, I don't know, it's just kind of like. When you are with a character for 10 years or so, and then they still don't have their own movie yet, and they have a pretty, like, mysterious backstory, then it's like, that would have been cool to have that, but... You're talking about Black Widow? Yeah. Hmm. Well, they did that with the, um... What's that other movie with, uh... The, the blonde chick. I can't even think of her name now. Um, where she was the... Soviet spy and using sex and and murdering people. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just assume that that's like what goes on all the time over there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Russia for you. Well, so uh, are we going to tell the people uh, it's worth the fourteen dollars for a movie ticket, or, or are we saying save your money? Well, I've seen a lot of really bad movies for $14. I got into this one because it was like Monday at like 9 a.m. I got into this one for $9.10. So, I'll see that anytime for $9.10. Okay. So, we're recommending. Here's, here, here's the thing. Is it a bad movie? No, not at all. Not even close. Is it just an okay movie? Not really. It... It's a, is it a good movie? Like, we're not gonna go beyond that. It wasn't, it wasn't like this spectacular, like, you know, um, I don't know, like, when you see, uh, Infinity War, like, that movie was like, you left the theaters, like, jaw dropped, you know? Yeah, that was a lot of payoff, though. That was ten years worth of payoff. And this one just felt like, um, it felt like a completely, like, I mean, you know, obviously everybody knows that it takes, uh, it takes place in the, uh, in the past. Right. So, it's like, I don't know, it's just, I'm not trying to, I don't want to dog the movie at all, because it's not, you know, it's just, like, the, uh, the movie itself was before any of these like Avenger movies took place, you know. So in the time, it's just a, yeah, and it's just a, you know. I mean, obviously, Captain America was you know chronologically the first Avenger, but I'm just saying that for this, it was just like yeah, you know, there's some familiar faces, but it's 
feels like it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie so much. There's a couple of characters that you know you see and you're like, oh, okay, Marvel, but it doesn't really feel like a Marvel movie. It just feels like a superhero movie, and um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess my like what it comes down to is like um, I don't really want to hear the whole like, oh, it's the first woman superhero movie for Marvel. Like, that's really not you know. And like, it didn't have it like, uh, like Black Panther, you know, when Black Panther came out, obviously like, there was that audience that went to go see Black Panther because it was, you know, a primarily African American cast and it was like a, I mean, it was like a, one of those movies where you're like, if you look at, like, African-Americans and the film industry, like, that was a very, like, achieving movie, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like this was the same thing for, uh, you know, women in movies. Mm. Well, before you say anything else, man, Wakanda forever. Uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. It sounds like they didn't deliver. <clears throat> But, you know, it's one of those things where I've heard mixed reviews, too. Um, I, I get the sense that most people feel like it was just mediocre, just run-of-the-mill, uh, just really lukewarm. And other people really liked it. So I don't know how to really judge it. I got to wait until I see it myself and then... Uh, then make a decision from there, but just from what I heard is those are the two sides. Nobody said they hated it, which is yeah. a good thing. But it, it seems like a lot of people are just like, eh, it's all, it was all right, but it wasn't. From what I could tell, most people didn't feel like it was, you know, amazing. Which I mean, you know, it's okay. Uh, and that's the thing, like you know, everybody. Thought Black Panther was, uh, you know, fantastic, wonderful movie, and it, you know, it kind of was like it, you know, it's much better than Captain Marvel. Uh, it wasn't my favorite Marvel movie, but it wasn't it wasn't a bad movie, but it wasn't like, you know. You know, I'm guilty of that. In the moment, Black Panther, they couldn't have done any better. But after watching it, you know, a couple more times after the fact, it's like, man, this is actually kind of just okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not, it's not bad, though. It's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's definitely not bad. It's, it's, it's well above average. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but that's the thing, like, going forward, there's going to be such an emphasis on these Marvel movies that come out. Like, after, after Endgame, like, you know, where, where do you go from there? I don't know, man. They're going to start using those uh, X-Men characters. Could be. Yeah. But, I almost wish that they would have just, like, held off Endgame until they had the rights to use those characters because, like, have you ever read the actual Infinity Gauntlet comic? No, I haven't. So, yeah, it's, like, when you, 
when you know about that, I mean, you see all this like Infinity War stuff. It's like uh, it's just very, it's very different because it's just not. Oh, it's just not. Uh, it's not the same as the comic. It's not the, the full story. Is, the the comic is so short, but it does it does so much in that short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there's the Fantastic Four and the X Men involved, you know, like as I watch these movies, it feels like part of the sto- the, the story is missing, you know. Yeah. So. You know, it's movies though, man. It's the business. It's like, on one hand, it's like, yeah, it's cool that they're doing what they gotta do to make it work anyways, but I mean, it's like, at least we got Spider-Man. Yeah. I like the new Spider-Man, too. Yeah. Well, you got him. Um, alright, what else we got? Uh, Josie Smollett case. Uh-oh! <laughs> the, the major boo-boo. Uh, how, how we feeling about that? I, I know how I feel about it, but how you feeling about it? Um, it's one of those things where it's like, Part of my opinion is influenced by when you read comments about it and stuff like that. Like, there's stuff that you don't think of until you read those comments. So natural. When I first heard it, when I first heard it, I was like, "Oh yeah, lucky him," you know. And then I'm reading comments. I'm like, "These people are right. Like, would would they be able to?" Would he have been able to get away with that if he was a common person? Probably you know? not. But I'm reading, like, what happened is, like, so basically it's, like, they dropped it, but he, he has to, like, pay a fine, and he, or, uh, he doesn't get his bond money back, and he has to do, like, community service or something like that. Yeah. So he, like, if you didn't do that, crime why would you agree to the bond thing and the doing community service why because he did the crime and he right. paid his way out of it yeah so they dropped all the charges so it's not going to go on his record but he's gonna still have to pay for it some way somehow mm-hmm. yeah so it's just one of those things to me. It's like, I look at that and it's like, yeah, that's kind of bullshit. So, um, yeah, it's just, that's stupid. That's not cool. That's not cool. I don't know. It's like either he didn't do it and he gets his money back and he doesn't have to do community service or he did do it and he's going to get those felony charges put on. Well, here's the thing. In my opinion, there's no, there's no, two different options. There's no if he did or if he didn't. Um, the way I see it is he did it, which is why they came up with the whole idea 
of dropping the charges and gave him the deal uh, that they haven't really said is a deal, but it's it's a deal of uh, paying the fine and doing the community service. That was all closed door negotiations between his team and the city of Chicago. Um, you know, from what I hear, the DA in Chicago is pissed. The chief of police is pissed. Uh, they did not want to let him go, but for whatever reason, he got away with it. He, uh, you know, in a sense, he got away with it. He has to do something for it, but it's not, it's not enough, in my opinion. It's, um, I, I don't want to be one of those people that sound like I want to crucify him for what he did. But at the same time, it's like, man, it's, <clears throat> there's, there is a such thing as rich privilege. And rich people get treated very differently. Um, the rules are skewed in their favor. And it just doesn't... It, it just doesn't um, allow for a playing or even playing field. And that's um, one of those things that it, it's not cool, man. It's, it's just really not cool. So his community service, do you think it's going to be out picking up trash on the side of the freeway? Or do you think it's going to be just dressing up in his nice little suits and going to elementary schools and having an assembly or something like what do you think it's going it's going to be you know what it's going to be it's going to be uh he's he's actually a singer uh a recording artist so it's probably going to be doing free shows where you know he's just doing what he would normally be doing but he's going to do it for free and uh yeah so he'll he'll be performing and touring and all that stuff and they're going to call that community service so it's there's no real repercussions to what he's done or and like I said, I don't wanna crucify the man, but there are some things in his charges. He had sixteen of them. I'm sure there's some stuff in there with, that was serious. Uh I know for a fact the mailing the the note to Fox News or whatever, the Fox uh network, that's a federal thing. You you sent that through the the federal uh, uh, mail system, so that's that's definitely a federal charge there. But for whatever reason, they let him off on that that BS. Yep. I mean that's that's the end of his too. So. Yeah, it's all good. What you doing over there, man? Yeah. 
I like the memes, though. The memes are hilarious. Oh, yeah. Well, is that uh, R. Kelly asking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I saw one that somebody transposed R. Kelly's face onto um, Jesse Smollett's mugshot. And it was like, uh, it said something hilarious. Uh, I, I can't remember, but it, that sh- them shits are funny, man. Say, hey, man, what's, the, what, what's your lawyer's number? You know, all that stuff. I love it. It's hilarious. Good times, good times. What else we got, brother? My topics are a little bit, uh, my topics are a little bit off. Um, so good, last time we, t- we talked about that college scandal. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, did you uh, find out something new? No, I just said that they're going to have all the, um, all the defendants start going into court today or something like that. I didn't see that. Yeah, so that's going to. Here's the thing right here. When it when it comes to the college thing, right? Um, I heard some people talking about it, and they presented a question. And the question was, if you had the means to get your child in college, uh, wouldn't you pay for that? And on the surface, that makes sense. But for everybody listening... That doesn't mean because you have the ability to pay. That doesn't mean that your child should, one, be accepted, or two, uh, fast-track through it. Um, They shouldn't be, you shouldn't uh, be able to buy your grades because you have the means. But if you want to, you know, spend the money to send your child uh, to Ivy League school or whatever school and you want to pay for it instead of having them uh, try to go out here and get scholarships for it, I'm 100% okay with that. That's that's cool. You still did it right. You went through the admission process. Um, that's, that's great. But if you're going and doing back channel stuff and paying off people and and uh, frauding documents and all that good stuff uh, just to sneak your child into a university, that's when it's bad. Even if, you know, especially if you have the means, you know, that's when it's bad. So just just to clear that up for anybody who may be thinking that way. Who's who's more at fault? Is it the parents that are willing to pay for it, or the people that are accepting the money and putting through it? Uh, just because some, somebody offers you a service and you buy it, you know. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you go to a corner store and they got a bunch of bootleg movies. Who's more in the wrong? Hmm. Well, we can we can take the uh, high um, morality 
group and say that they're both wrong. Um, but in my opinion, it's it's the people that work for these universities that are, you know, more wrong. Because a, a parent is going to do what they think is right. And even if it, you know, comes at the risk of doing some quote-unquote illegal things or some shady things... If you can set your child up for a better future, most parents are going to bend the rules a little bit. But if you work for these uh, universities... You've got the future, though, that that child wants. Uh, I don't know. That's... I mean, if, if, the, if these kids are... In my opinion, it sounds like it's the parents that want the kids to go to these specific schools. Like the one the one that got all of her endorsements pulled. Yeah, she, uh, she, she was definitely she, not interested. Yeah, she, she's actually mad at her parents because she didn't even want to go to college. She said it in her video that she doesn't want to be there. She just goes out for the parties and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. She's, she's cool with the endorsements, right? She didn't get the endorsements because she's a college student. She got it because of her channel, like her talent or whatever it is. So it's the parents that, you know, so it's like. So you like, you think that the parents are more at fault? Oh, yeah. It's not. Look, here's the thing. If, if a kid wants to go to a prestigious school. Mm-hmm. You can bet your ass they're going to be working to get there. You know, well, they're going to try. Like, you're not going to have a 2.0 and try to get into Harvard, you know. But you don't you know, know that. Like, these these privileged kids are just that. They're privileged. They don't have to work hard to do anything. So There's going to be outliers, I'm sure, that there's a 2.0 student that's trying to get into Harvard, but that's not. Most of those kids are going to be the ones that have the three eight nine GPA or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying they're they're doing that stuff. Um, maybe they don't have the uh, maybe they're they're in their studies so much they don't have time to play sports so they can go on or they can ask you know, like maybe that's where some of the doctrine comes in. But I think for the most part most of these kids that get accepted into these schools actually want to be at these schools. You know, like, you don't sit there and apply to go to, you know, to Princeton or whatever like that if you don't want to go there. Yeah. You know, and you got these parents, like, you know, you have these parents in these prestigious, you know, careers or whatever like that. They make all this money and they don't want their kids saying, or, you know, they don't want to say, oh, yeah, my kid goes uh, to Tacoma Community College, you know? <laughs> like, no, they're like, yeah, my kid goes to you know? My kid goes to USC. Like, that's the kind of stuff that the parents have, the parents are getting the benefit out of that, like, you know? Um, and, yeah, there's gonna, I'm sure there's going to be some kids that say, like, hey, you know, uh, give me the hookup, sure, whatever. Yeah. But they probably, if it's the kid asking, they at least really want to go, you know. 
I just worry about, and, and that's the thing, like, if it's the kids that want to go, like, they're going to these, like, law schools and stuff. They're not going to party schools. They're not trying to do that. They're trying to go to a school that you got to, you know, have great achievement to get through. Um, and then the ones that, you know, then it's like, you go to USC, and it's like, that's party. Like, you're trying to party with you go there. You know, as uh, evident by the the one that got all, uh, the mom from, uh, Aunt Becky from Full House, like, her kid, that's where she was at. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I think there's a difference. I think that there's, you know, the ones that, I think there's the ones where it was in the best interest of the parents to have their kids go there, or maybe they thought that if their kids went there, then they'd turn out right, you know, and they wouldn't have to depend on the parents or whatever, but I just don't think that there's, I just don't think that it's, uh, you know, the kids so much. I don't know. I could be really wrong, but that's just like from what I've seen. Yeah, I don't think it's the kids at all. I think it's 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 between the parents and the faculty. Um, but I, I lean more towards the the people who actually work for the universities, just because they they are the ones that are they know the game and they're giving these parents all the you know back channel advice and. Uh, you know, all that stuff to kind of make them look way better than they actually are. So, I blame them more than anybody else. But that's just on me. That's how I feel. Yeah, I don't know. I think that you'd want to, if you're in charge of admissions and all that stuff, you want kids to, you know, I don't know. If you want the best in your school and you're bringing in these kids that are just, you know, they're not geared to perform. It's kind of, I don't know. I don't think they want the best. I think they just want to fill the seats. As long as they can keep bodies in the school and tuition flowing in, that's pretty much all they really care about. For, you know, an average university, not like um, the Harvards and Princetons and Yales, all them. Because obviously they have a higher standard uh, towards education. But, you know, just a run-of-the-mill university or college. Yeah, I think they're just worried about filling the seats. What kind of, uh, what kind, did you have any topics that you were scoping on this week? Uh... Yeah, man. Uh, do you do you eat a milkshake or you drink one? Wait, what? <laughs> do you eat a milkshake or do you drink it? Do you eat a milkshake or you drink it? Yeah. Which is it? It depends. Do you use it? Are you, if you use a spoon, you're eating it. If you use a straw, you're drinking. Well, what? Okay. If it comes to you in a spoon, you you are allowed to say. I'm eating my milkshake, or if you have a if you have a spoon, then you could not be drinking it because you have a spoon. I don't know, man. I was always just weird, you know, kind of confused about that if if you drink it or if you actually eat it. But I, you know, I guess I'm just weird like that. I think weird things sometimes. Um, <laughs> do you? Uh, uh, now, are you saying like? 
If I have a milkshake in front of me, a spoon to the left, a straw to the right, what do I pick up? Sure. I'm picking up the straw. You're picking up the straw. And yeah. Then, and then you're going to try to just muscle it through the straw? Yeah, you got to let it have time. Like, you don't just, you know, like, that's part of it is, like, it, as it slowly melts a little bit, like, you get more. And so it, it lasts longer. If you just sit there, like, if you eat a milkshake with a spoon and it's, like, a full cup of milkshake, like, man, think about how small, like, think, think of a Ben and Jerry's pie. Mm. Right? Yeah. And then think of a milkshake, like, that's a big milkshake. That's a lot of ice cream. Like, you gotta go slow. <laughs> you cannot uh. just have a whole big thing of milkshakes. Either. Like, that's why, like, uh, Dairy Queen Blizzards. Yeah. I It blows my mind if I buy a large one of those. How much ice cream is in there? That's a lot. Because it's like, when you have a pint of Ben and Jerry's and you eat that thing, you're just like, damn, that's a lot of ice cream. But then you have a blizzard and you're like, that's even more ice cream. Like, that's not, I don't know, that's, to me, that's, but you can't stop. Once you start eating a blizzard, you can't stop. No, you can't. Because it's already like, you know, you already committed you know, you pick out your flavor, they have all kinds of blizzard flavors. Yep. And, and it's like, you just gotta go, like, you just chip away at it. And then that little upside-down flip that they do, that only lasts for the first 30 seconds of that blizzard. Try to do that shit 30 seconds after they uh, gave it to you, and that shit gonna wind up right in your lap. Hey, it's all good. Nah, it ain't all good. I've been there. I thought I was doing something cool. Like, ha, look, you know, it sticks in there and got all over myself. I was pissed. And I was a grown man when that happened. Uh, yeah. Hey, so, um, I was at work the other day, and I don't know why this thought popped into my head. Actually, I do. Uh, it was because we ended, we were um, talking about having a potluck at work. And, uh, yeah, they, they asked me what did I want to bring. I didn't really know, and I said, uh, maybe I'll bring some soda. And she's like, okay, cool, boom. Wrote my name down for soda. Uh, but after I said it, and even now saying soda, it was weird. When I was growing up, I used to say pop. Up here in, in the Northwest, it's most people say soda. And... I don't know, I just started feeling weird about it, in a way. Like I was kind of losing touch of my roots a little bit. Because most of my life, uh, I, I moved out of, out of Louisville uh, when I was 14. And for as long as I could remember, I said pop. Pop, pop, pop. Oh, yeah. Hand me a pop. Oh, I'm about to go grab a pop. I'm going to the store and get a pop. Ah, what kind of what kind of pop you got? Oh, okay, yeah, boom. But once I moved up north, it went from pop to soda, and then it got me started thinking about more stuff. I kind of went down the rabbit hole in my mind. I was like, you know what, man? Um, 
I used to actually have like a, a little bit of a country twang when I talk. But that is gone. At least in my opinion. I don't I don't really catch it unless I say yeah. certain words like um I know I still say uh oil sometimes instead of oil I say oil. Uh yeah. You know, go get that oil right there. Uh you know, little little things like that, but it, it's yeah, man. I just started getting a little sad. Like, damn, man. I kind of kind of missed that. I missed that a little bit. That I, I could have a little something different that that's not as uh, common around here. <sighs> but do you say uh you say soda, right? Well, I used to say pop. I was like 14, 15. Really? Yeah. Why Why? Yeah. Why the change? Um, because I started to realize that like soda is more of like a technically what it is. Mm. It's, I mean, the thing is it's, uh, it's, if you look on a case of pop, whatever. <laughs> it feels weird, huh? It'll say soda. You know, something, something, something flavored soda. It's soda. It's, you know, soda pop is the phrase that was used for a while, you know. I mean, you kind of pick, do you want to go with soda or do you want to go with pop? And so. Anybody that says soda pop is a serial killer. I got my soda pop. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, nobody wanted to say both words. It's like one or the other, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, and I was actually looking at a map the other day, and it was saying, like, who says soda, who says pop. And it's, like, soda, soda is, like, more northwest kind of area. Pop is, like, the whole rest of the country. And then, like, in, like, Georgia, where Coke is, um, and some surrounding areas of that, they, uh, they call everything Coke. Huh. Yeah, that's even worse. I think they got a, a big Coca-Cola community down there, like a huge factory or something down there. Well, that's where Coke is from. Oh, okay. So it makes sense. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think that we can, we can settle the debate as it doesn't matter if you say soda, it doesn't matter if you say pop. As long as you don't call everything Coke, it's all right. Okay. That, that's all right, then. Thank you. Uh, acceptable. Okay, cool. Um, what else did I have? Oh, I just saw that stupid preview for uh, Dumbo. How do you feel about these live-action Disney movies, man? Disney. I feel like... I feel like, for the most part, all of the cartoons were out in the 90s or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's some earlier than that, but the ones that were out in the 90s, like, you're talking about uh, Aladdin, um, you know, Jungle Book, um, Tarzan, like, all that kind of stuff. Uh... You're gonna, you know, a Lion King. You know, start getting all these 
uh, remakes of, of movies that just shouldn't be. They're they're already a masterpiece. You know. Right. Beauty and the Beast. Like you look at those movies and you're just like, those are already uh, as perfect as they're gonna get. So when you start doing these live action ones, it's, in a way, it's kind of cool, but at the same time, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be comparing to the cartoon version. Um, Most of them are just a shot for shot anyway. But that's the thing, like, they're trying to do shot for shot on certain ones, and then like, uh, like Maleficent, for example, did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, that movie. I that wasn't really shot for shot. It was really different. No, not no. It, it couldn't be because it's not like a it's like a prequel. Yeah. And so it's you know it's one of those things where I lost interest in that movie, and I don't know. It. I do want to see. I do want to see Aladdin though. You want to see that? With the Will Smith genie? Nah, man, that genie looks super boo-boo, man. But that's the thing, like, you can make a cartoon genie, whatever, like, can't put him up against Robert Williams, man. But that's the problem, is that everybody's trying to compare the two when there's not a comparison. Like, it's, there. you know, that's the thing, like, I'm pretty sure that if Robin Williams was alive today, he, he would be able to reprise that role. Like, that would be pretty cool, but he's not. He can't do that. So, the thing is, Nobody, like, whoever ends up in that role, mm. they're going to get crapped on. Yeah. They're going to get crapped on. Just be appreciative, though, that it's not somebody like uh, Adam Sandler. Oh, my God. That would, you, know, you know what I mean, though? Like, Horrible. Uh, we, have, we have Will Smith. Somebody's got to do it. But that's the thing, like, every time there's something like this that happens, everybody is going to shit on it no matter who it is because the original was so so much of a beloved character that you can't you know replace it so that brings me to this question is is it even worth remaking this movie uh with that I will say yes even with my Will Smith comment. And the reason being is because 
the Disney movie, the animated Disney movie of Aladdin, if you really think about it, it's probably one of the worst Disney movies. It's just super boring. Um, it has, what, two good songs, and that's it? A whole new world, and... Um, shit, pretty much, that's pretty much it. That song is the movie, you know what I mean? Uh, the rest of the movie is really kind of terrible. Uh, you know, if you want to rank that in the Hall of Fame, it's, it's near the bottom. Uh, so when they remake this live action, it gives them way more leeway to bring something extra to it. You know, kind of like um, John Favreau did with the Jungle Book. That the Jungle Book is one of the other worst Disney movies, animated Disney movies. That and Aladdin are very close to each other, but he kind of brought it to life a whole different way. And, uh, yeah, so with, with the problems of the animated, it makes their, um, it makes their imagination be able to branch out a little bit more. So I'm interested to see where they take it and how, how deep into, you know, the characters they get. Uh, so it, it might be okay, but when you talk about the, the Dumbo, that's terrible. And I, you know, I saw some stuff. It was like, oh, we're gonna try to free Dumbo. They did not do that in the animated. They didn't give a fuck about freeing no elephants. They chained them big basses right up. Uh, uh, so I know that's gonna be way different, but I'm not really feeling that. It looks weird. He looks weird. Um. What other live action was they doing? They doing Dumbo, Aladdin, The Lion King. That's gonna be a that's man. That's gonna be a rip off, a, a exact shot for shot. Just in this day and age, uh, using the CG and uh, just updating the look of it. But other than that, it's just it's a shot for shot. So. I, I don't really like that stuff. What the hell? Uh, damn. Got alarms going off in my podcast. It's all fucked up. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's all I had. Well, uh, let's see. We do still have our top five uh, albums, if you want to do that. Yes. Okay. Well, let me reset the uh, the next segment, and then we can get into that. All right. Yep. All right. Cool. Okay. There we go. Segment two. Top five favorite albums. Uh, did you want to go first, or you want me to go first this time? You can go first this time. All right. Um. You know, my musical palette isn't so vast like yours. I know you listen to a lot of um, rock music, experimental music, uh, hip-hop. Uh, so, 
your your library is gonna be very different from mine. You know, my main two genres are hip hop and R and B. Um, so yeah, my my list reflects that. Um, and in no particular order, these are my top five. Um, let's go with let's go from the bottom, I guess. Uh, T Pain. T Pain came out with the album <clears throat> Epiphany. Um, I think that was around like two thousand seven, maybe eight. Uh, Epiphany, somewhere now. And that's the, uh, you know, that's the album with Buy You a Drink on it. Um, oh man, that album to me was like it just. It it stamps into my uh, subconscious as just a moment uh, in history where uh, that's when I was like smoking a lot of weed and I was just driving around listening to T Pain and I know that sounds crazy but his music is is so good and I remember back then you. You used to say, man, that auto-tune shit is, that's going to die. That's going to die. Remember that? Well, it, there's a, I think for auto-tune, like, what I mean by die is there's a, there's a point where it becomes, um, it just kind of becomes a caricature of, uh, you know, of the music that it's, that it's a part of. Um, and I think the thing with him is he's the one that really, like, grabbed auto-tune by the nuts and made his own, you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's still used today, but there's share songs that have auto-tune in them, you know? So... Mm. It's not like it's. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not new. Um, we credit T Pain with kind of revitalizing it uh, because he really did. Uh, but it's definitely not a completely new thing, and he wasn't, you know, breaking new ground there. But he brought it back, and he kind of fathered in a lot of other people. Behind him, you know, big names like Future, Travis Scott, um, pretty much anybody you you put on the goddamn uh, in the hip hop genre right right now, the Migos, Lil Pump, everybody, man, um, and it's it's you know, in my opinion, really messed up how it seems like hip hop kind of shits on him like they don't give him the respect that he deserves and he still puts out good music like still today um but that album for me is something that i could put in and just rock with it and uh it just transport me back to that uh summer where i just drove around smoking a lot of weed and just <laughs> being a, a dumbass um but in the best way possible. Um, 
it's all good. Uh, let's go. Uh, my next one is a super hip hop album, and uh, it's just one of those that it really set the tone for uh, me musically on you know what I thought was good stuff, uh, and that's Outcast Aquimini. That album is if I had if it was like top five just hip hop albums, it would be in there. But for me it's one of my top five favorites. Uh just because it's you know, it it resonated so uh close to me. But like that that's the one that got uh so first and so clean, Rosa Parks, uh, Southern Playlist of Cat, uh, Cadillac Music. Uh, I love that's a Miss Jackson. Um, that's that album, man. Like that, <laughs> bruh. If you if you don't know Outkast and you want to get into Outkast and you want to see what they're about and how you know trippy and and weird their music is but so deep and um you know high uh intellectual uh material you should definitely dig into outcast equipment because that's hands down one of the best albums like ever i actually you know i uh, own every outcast album like you know their main ones like not like singles or anything like that but like yeah 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 like outcast is great Hell yeah. Uh, and I came close to putting, um, what was it, uh, uh, Stank On Ya or uh, Speaker Box on there too, but I was like, uh, you know, I got to pick one, so I'm going right, to yeah. go with Equimini because that's, that's kind of like the quintessential outcast to me. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I'm going with that one. <clears throat> uh, but moving on to my next one. It's um this is one of those projects uh from a person that uh I'm finding now that a lot of people have mixed feelings about. Uh you know, when I was growing up, it was without a question this person was uh a phenom, a uh beast in the game and no no one would ever contest it. Uh but I'm finding out now that Lauren Hill is looked at kind of funny by a lot of people, uh, especially in hip hop. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the miseducation of Lauren Hill. Uh, oh, yeah. Fantastic album, super super dope cuts all the way through that. That's that's really a vibing album. Um, if you're sitting around the house. And you want to pull out the hookah? That's good hookah music right there. Um, setting the mood for dinner uh, with friends or, or something like that. You're going to put that on. You're going to get a little dancing, you know. Have your little cheese and meat platter out. And turn on some Laurel Hill and guarantee it's going to be a good time. Um, but I, I am finding out people... Uh, kind of hating on her a bit man feeling like she 
she wasn't as hip-hop as she made herself seem. Um, there were, There's a lot of questions on uh, the songs on this album about writers. Um, because she came off as hip-hop. Uh, but the miseducation kind of towed the line between hip-hop and R&B. And, you know, people are trying to get it out of the hip-hop category and just say it's R&B. Uh, but it doesn't really matter. It's a great album either way. Um, yeah, so... Uh, how, how you how you liking my list so far? Uh, I mean, hey, it's, it's good. I mean, that's the thing. Like, hey, I knew you were going to bring good stuff to the table. It's, All right, cool. I'm cool. just... Uh, for me, it's like... What ones are you gonna pick? You know, uh, I know that you. I know that you're very well educated in your, you know, musical specialties. So you're, well, gonna, you're gonna pick the, the the best one, the deepest ones for you. You know. I, I try. I'm not an expert, but I try. Uh, I'm gonna throw you a, a a monkey wrench right here, a curveball, and I'm gonna throw out that fifty cent. You know what I'm saying? I know you didn't see Damn. that coming. <laughs> I know you didn't see that coming. <laughs> Even though you said it, but um but the question is which album? And um for me I I went with the massacre. Fifty Cent the Massacre. Um that was fifty cent on the cover. Um uh, with the bullet shot through the glass, uh, that album with the red background, yeah, that one is the one that um, for me kind of sealed the deal on his legitimacy. Uh, there was a lot of songs on there that were disses. There was uh, just really good club music could ride around with your your boys music it was rowdy stuff but also had some chill laid back stuff too um this is uh the album that was like right in the height of his Ja Rule uh slaughter uh, it, it was a dope album it's it's one of those uh pieces of art that I think is if it's not already um, it's probably going to find its way into the uh, Library of Congress um, and speaking of which I just heard about uh, Jay-Z's blueprint uh, being put in there recently so uh, shout out to him congratulations for that because that's, that's dope uh, but I feel like 50 Cent The Massacre is going to be there in the next 20 years um and my last one oh before i give you my last one i'm gonna do my honorable mention and uh this one's going to be uh, a shocker for some people considering you know that they know how i feel about certain people uh but kanye west graduation um if I was listening to Kanye, that would be the Kanye I would listen to. 
graduation, Kanye. Um, what can I say about that, man? That that amazing, amazing album that you know is it still kind of breaks my heart that I I just can't bring myself to listen to any of his music anymore uh, because I would definitely go back to that. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Graduation though is uh is dope, and that's when Kanye became Kanye, in my opinion. Uh, what's what's your song on that album? Uh, I like flashing lights. Um, hold on, I gotta bring up the track list. Um. Good morning. That was dope. Sorry, stronger. Uh, Big brother, and probably uh, drunk hot girls. That was just a, just a weird. It was weird. You start. That's when you really started experimenting with sounds and stuff. I, I hate that song. Um, <laughs> but no. So the thing is that, like, I never like Kanye. I was really big into him, but. I really like Daft Punk, mm-hmm. and they obviously, you know, Stronger. are the the main part of Stronger. Like that's that's Daft Punk. Yeah. And so when I heard that, um, you know, another buddy of ours was a big Kanye fan. So like that was a cool song because we could both listen to it at the same time. Oh, shoddy shot. Yeah. And. Uh, so that was cool and that was kind of like for me you know and then like I'll never forget the first time that I saw the flashing lights video flashing lights video is dope yeah like he that's when he was like really really a, a, a artist to me like not just musically but visually and he he found a way to tie the two together to where even if you're not watching the video or if you had never seen the video you could kind of feel what it would look like just by listening to it you know listen yeah. to the songs and stuff so that that's my uh, honorable mention um, yeah like I said unfortunately I can't I can't do it he, he, he got a long way to go to before I let him off the hook. But uh, my last one, this is an R&B gym. Uh, again, you know, I, I, I'm big on these two genres. And I think in the genre of R&B, in my opinion, there is no other R&B album that is more important has more replay value has unskippable songs than Usher Confessions okay I was I was hoping you weren't going to say Destiny's Child or something oh no I was like oh god you know that's a great one yeah Usher's 
confession, confessions, man. That like, I think that's probably the longest um, I listened to an album. Like that album, and I bought it, not ripped it from the internet, bought it. That album stayed in my CD player for a good two and a half years. I don't think I had it out of my disc player for longer than a couple days. Like two and a half years, just on repeat, nonstop. These are my confessions. Just all the time. Uh, it's it's one of those bangers. It's a perfect album. And I hear that they're working on a part two. I just saw his uh, Instagram where he was with Jermaine Dupri. And, you know, there's been some speculation that they're going to try to do a, a Confessions Part 2. Uh, uh, an entire project. And I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. I had an idea once of going through all of Usher's projects uh, post-Confessions. And kind of cherry picking songs from each of the albums and then compiling them and calling that Confessions Part 2. But I was too lazy to do it. Well, good thing you did because uh, the real one's coming out. Yeah. But uh, anyway, that's my list. Uh, what you got? That's a, that is a, that's a solid list. Thanks, man. Solid list. Let me uh, consult my list. Like I just relate to it. 
and uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty important album. And the cool thing is that like I wasn't even into Deftones when it first came out, mm-hmm. and I started listening to them when like their fourth or fifth album came out. So like for me to go back to an album that came out in two thousand, um, like and be able to just listen to that, like, that's, that was something cool, because it's, like, something that was waiting there for me that I found that, you know, sometimes the best music that you that you find that's most relatable, it's stuff that's not coming out today. It's, it's already out there. You just got to find it. Right. You know, when, you, when you find it and you can relate to it, you're just like, wow, like, you know, makes you feel like you're not alone in whatever you're doing. That's how I felt about uh, Tech Nine. I was late to Tech Nine, but then once I found it, I was like, "This dude is dope." I I actually really enjoy being late to music, um, for the most part, because it's like it's one of those things. Like, if I can go back and listen to something from the eighties, mm-hmm. and you just listen to it and you feel it, and you're like, "Wow, this is amazing," you know? Yeah. Like that goes to show you that it's not something. You know, like, you know, 10 years from now, if, you know, the kids go back and they hear the stuff from nowadays, you know, if they're able to salvage any of this mumble rap that's out all the time and they find anything good, like, that'll be something that, you know, actually deserves it. You know, when you're able to sift sift and sort through all the, you know, oversaturation of the, the, the trends, of the times, then that's when you find some gold, yeah. you know, because, like, if you look back at, like, the grunge era of rock, you know, there's some, like, there's a lot of just really, really, really shitty music, <laughs> but there's some really amazing, wonderful music, like, Nirvana, I didn't listen to Nirvana, though, back then, you know, now I go back and I listen to Nirvana, I'm older, I can relate to Nirvana. When Nirvana was out, I was five or six years old, seven years old. You know, I don't, I, how am I supposed to relate to that? Right, that's crazy. Now I go back, now I go back and I listen to it, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like for me, I like, I like discovering music after it's been out. You know, you go back and you're just like, wow, this is, it's like this was made for me to discover and relate to it, you know. So it's more of a personal thing too. Like you're listening to an album that just came out, and it's like all these other people are listening to it at the same time. They're all listening to it, yeah. and you're sharing that with everyone. But for me, it's cool to go back and listen to some music that people have you know, moved on from because it's not the current thing. You know, it's not on the top 20 radio station right now. But the people that are listening to it really relate to it. And it speaks to them. You know, that's the kind of stuff I like. Yeah, I need to do that more. Um, and so, let's see. So, I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna cheat and do. I gotta do two honorable mentions because they're such good 
additions. All right, I'm gonna do another one too. Do yours. Do yours right now. So no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Here, think about one. Think about one. I'm gonna do mine. Okay. Think about yours and do yours. Okay. So my um, my first honorable mention is gonna be Garth Brooks' "Broken in the Wind." What? Yep. It's uh, it's pretty much one of the main, in my opinion, uh, country music albums that ushered in like a new era of country music listeners. You have like the old school country music and then you have like the more like attitude kind of country music where it was, you know, it wasn't so much talking about like, you know, my wife left me and the dog and all that stuff. And uh-huh. it's just like, if, if you listen to that album, it had like a lot of really good stuff on it. Um, he's got a lot of, you know, his, I mean, he was flaming hot from like, you know, 91 to, you know, 93, 94. And he just kind of, you know, a lot of people kind of followed his lead. And so he was kind of a, one of those people that ushered in uh, country music to be popular again. I mean, then you get the, the dickhead Billy, Cy- Billy Ray Cyrus, uh, you know, as a side effect of that. So that wasn't that great. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you know, that like, I'm not a, a huge country music person, but um, that one would, I think, just because it's important, it's like an important one because it really kind of changed, you know, almost like a younger audience. Uh, it wasn't like all the 50-year-olds listening to country music. It was, you know, you start to see younger ladies listening to it and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of a cool little thing. Um, so, my next one. Uh, another year 2000 album and it sucks because like I want to do a different album by the same band Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to go by like the importance and the initial impact that these albums have and this one's going to be from the year 2000 Uh, it's Lincoln Park's Hybrid Theory. Hmm. Um, that album was, that was amazing. Uh, so many songs on that album, uh, I still listen to on the daily. Like, I'll still listen to a lot of those, uh, a lot of those tracks. Um, And some of them, like, some of them, like, I knew early on that they were, like, a little over the top for me, but you have songs, like, uh, In the End, that was huge on the radio, and, uh, you know, 
bands thought, uh, stuff that like wasn't really on the radio that I that I loved. I could just I, I would basically listen to that album and play Halo on my Xbox, mm-hmm. and I would just have that album on repeat and play Halo. Like that was my that was my thing to do in my freshman year of high school. You remember when you could do that, where you could play MP3s while you played your game through your Xbox? You remember that? Yeah, yeah. You could rip them onto the Xbox. Yeah. And you could, and you could play them, and I did that. That was my first album that I did that with too. That's dope. Lincoln Park's Hybrid Theory, um, and you know that's the thing. Like when I talk about like music that I discovered well after it was out. Like, this was pretty early on. Like, Linkin Park came out, and, um, you know, they they weren't exactly like my cup of tea at the time. I didn't really like that, that uh, you know, all the screaming and stuff like that. Like, you know, it wasn't my thing, but there were some songs that weren't like that at all, so I was like, okay, they're cool. And then they started putting out, you know, their next album that came out. I was like, damn, this one... I might like this one even more. Mm. Like, the vibe was very different. Uh, a lot more, like, mellow, but deeper. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't as, um, it wasn't as broad. It was a lot more, you know, it felt a lot more specific what they were, you know, what the content was about, yeah. you know. And that band, as time went, like, their song, their style completely changed. And it was cool because like, by the time you get through to their to their final album that's come out, uh, obviously the lead singer, Chester Bennington, um, you know, he, he died uh, last year. So, uh, well, two years ago now, well, one and a half. But yeah, the their final album that came out, that was my alternative to this one because it's such a like when I first heard that album I'm listening to it I'm thinking like wow this band has really grown up just like me you know like I think about where I was when that first Hybrid Theory album came out and where I am now and how much personal growth I've experienced and how the original album at this point is almost uh, not relatable compared to the newest one, you know, so it's just kind of a cool thing, so, but without that first album, you know, we wouldn't be where we're at with the, you know, the final one, so, right. it's just like, yeah, you listen to that, and you're, you know, um, let's see, all right, so, I gotta, I have to cheat again, in a different manner. Okay. I'm cheating in the sense that I'm using a Greatest Hits album. Mm, okay. Okay. Um, but this is probably one of the... I should have did a movie soundtrack album. A what? I should have done a movie soundtrack album. That would have worked. But, so, for me... Um, the only reason that so this this album I think was very very important because it gathered a lot of new listeners to this artist 
uh, it was kind of like their first, maybe their first album that they owned it is, but it's going to be the Tupac Greatest Hits. Oh, okay. Um, because obviously like, at, you know, after everything that went down with the East Coast versus West Coast rap rivalry and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, you have the two biggest representatives of West Coast and East Coast uh, dead in the aftermath, you know. Yeah. Everybody's attention was so high on what was going on with that. They were trying to find out, like, you know, oh, who, who, who killed Tupac, who killed Biggie, all that stuff. Like, that was, that was like, I mean, who wasn't glued to that? You know, oh, I was. That was like a huge, you know. I mean, that's the thing. Like the conspiracy theories going around with all that. Like that was news. Like that was something big. Like that was just such such a huge, such a huge story. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of people. Uh, I think there's a lot, I think that there was a lot of people that because of what happened with that, they began listening to rap music because, you know, maybe they were on the fence that they kind of liked or whatever. But I know for me, when that happened, I was in fifth grade. I remember getting on the bus at the beginning of the school year, getting on the bus, and I remember a girl was like crying because Tupac was killed. Whoa. And I was like, Tupac, like, yeah, I didn't even know who Tupac was at the time. But I was so intrigued about the story, you know, what was going on. And then I got the, the Tupac Greatest Hits album. I asked my mom for that for Christmas, and I got it. That's yeah. ballsy of your mom. She, she yeah. obviously didn't know what she was doing. Oh, hell no. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I remember I got, you know, I got this album, and, uh, I remember listening to that album, and playing, uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Nice. Like, you know, probably like a year later, I, I, I started playing that game, but... No, that was like 20 years ago, or... It's a lot, it's more than... 30! 30. It's more than it's more than twenty, yeah. Ninety six to oh six to sixteen, that's twenty. Oh no. So 23. 20, 20, 23 years. Jeez. Yeah, going on twenty three years. So anyways, um, yeah, that album, like, there's so many if you like look at this whole library, that really is that's like one of the first greatest hits albums that I've heard that I think that that's a, a good representation. There's not too many songs on there that they excluded. I mean, they, got, they excluded a couple, but there's not too many that are on there that I think shouldn't be on there. Um, and it's a two-disc, you know? Like, that's that's awesome, a two-disc. But the thing is that that, I think, was a very important album because you're coming out of an era where everybody's listening to, like, you know, grunge rock and all that kind of stuff. And then... I think that album was 
it was such a major part of pop culture at the time because of what happened to Tupac. And I think a lot of people bought that and they started, you know, they started maybe uh, listening to rap instead of being in between rock and rap or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, know it I know it did that for me because I got that album and then, like, next thing you know, I got, you know, I have a couple Cash Money albums, too. Oh, you know, shit. A couple years later, you know, so, I mean, like, yeah, it definitely, like, uh, you know, helped influence my musical preferences. Okay. Um, but it's just good music, really good music. Um, you know, to this day, to this day, if there's people over at my house, and it's like a, you know, it's kind of, you know, quiet, and it's, you know, company's over, I'll definitely go and turn my speakers up and uh, accidentally turn on Hit Em Up. <laughs> you know, just the way that that starts up, yeah. So, um, all right, and then I got my last, my last one, but then my other, uh, honorable mention. Yeah. So, why don't you go ahead and do your honorable mention? Uh, you know, this one didn't really take too long to, to uh, pick out, but for me, I guess that other one would, would be uh, Jay-Z, The Blueprint. It's, um, I mean, come on, man. Everybody knows it's a classic. Uh, whether you like East Coast rap or not, it's, I mean, they got the takeover on it. Uh, one of my favorite songs which I think is like super underrated is Song Cry I can't see it coming down my eyes so I gotta make the song cry that is a beautiful song um, and then it got the infamous uh, Renegade on it with Eminem uh, so yeah it's a fully loaded album and this is uh, in my opinion the one where you know, Jay-Z took off. You know, the blueprint is where he really, really took off. And yeah. became the uh, became the man that we know. So, that would be my honorable mention. My second one. That's a solid one. That's real good. Um, so, my other honorable mention is going to have to be another greatest hits because that's how you get all the good shit together. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're cheating, man. Next time we make these lists, we can't be doing greatest hits. Don't know. It's not open. You know, you gotta specify. <laughs> you gotta, it's an honorable mention anyway, so it's not a big deal. Uh, this one's gonna be the Elton John greatest hits 1970 to 19, uh, 2002. Um, really? Oh yeah. I've uh, never listened to Elton John music. No, it, it, the thing is, like, I think that he is one of the greatest musical performers, um, definitely in, in you know in my lifetime, but. You know, he's one of those people that 
Um, she's been she's been doing this since uh, for this greatest hits album, everything from the seventies to early two thousands, and he has so many just hits, and there's so many songs that when you hear his musical talent, like the way he plays piano, um, and just like the the delivery of the music, the songs, uh-huh. like he's definitely one of my favorite uh, favorite artists. Um, you know, and that's the thing, like growing up, you know, you're, you hear like, you know, in the mid 90s, like you hear like, oh, he's gay. You know, yeah. I was like, I was never like weirded out about that, you know, because in the nineties, like it was different. Like you know, obviously, we were less mature about that kind of stuff, and it was a lot different atmosphere for the the whole gay community um, than it is today. Right. But you know, and, and for me, like growing up, like he was so different than everything else that I listened to but he had great music always had great music that I could listen to and I just thought was um uh, just like you, you listen to it and it's like that's that's a love song like that's a real that's a real love song you know mm-hmm. and this is good it's just really good good music like there's so many songs on there uh, you know, yeah, go back to the, the Lion King, you know. Part of why the Lion King was so big was the soundtrack. He worked on that? Yeah, do you remember uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Yeah, he wrote that? That's him. That's him. Damn, I didn't know that. That's I'm 33 years old and I just learned something new. Yeah, um... So, I mean, he's got so many songs, Tiny Dancer, Rocket Man, um, you know, uh, he's got, I mean, that's the thing, like, he had the super flamboyant outfits, they're putting out a, a, a biopic about him, too, right now, like, they're working on it, um, you know, they had the Bohemian Rhapsody, they're doing a Elton John one as well. Wow, okay. But, yeah, no, so, I mean, it's like, that's the thing, like, you listen to his music and you're like, as a as a kid, I was able to be like, I don't care if he's gay, like he's got good music, like you know. And so it was never, you know, for me, I was like never weird about weirding out about somebody being gay because you know, it's like whatever, it's, this guy's got good music, so that was a cool thing. Um, and yeah, so uh, as and he's like doing like a farewell tour right now. But anyways, yeah, that's. That was my uh, honorary mention. And then my last one, uh, probably one of my favorite albums, uh, is going to be Nine Inch Nails, The Fragile. I was wondering when Nine Inch Nails was going to make the list. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, that's the thing. Like, Nine Inch Nails, I could have put nearly any of the albums on there. Mm Mm-hmm. But as I've as I've listened to them all, 
um, this is a, this is another band that I didn't discover until after you know they put their initial stuff and um, it's actually when I say they put out their initial stuff uh, originally up until probably 2014 uh, 2015 maybe mm-hmm. Nine, Nine Inch Nails was one individual uh, that did all the um, you know studio pr- uh, production on uh, Trent Reznor and he's the one that played all the instruments and stuff he'd bring people in if he needed them to do like a you know like a drum solo or something like that but Trent Reznor put all that music together he uh, you know he was the composer and all that and uh, when they went on tour he'd get a live band like he'd hire these these musicians from various uh, various bands um, and uh, you know they'd go on the road and play with them they'd play the music live but he's the one that's you know like if you if you were to listen to some of this stuff um, I would say The Fragile is probably the best of his albums um, the first one I ever heard was called With Teeth and the artwork for the album like it was just distorted and it like the, I'll show it to you sometime but it's just that album I loved it I fell in love with it right when I heard it uh, went to go see Nine Shells in concert like luckily right after that and then you go back and you look at the library of music and that's one of those that I discovered years later you know, and it was probably eight years after that album came out, I, I really discovered it. Mm. You know, there's, there's some songs, like, you know, singles that you'd hear on the radio, maybe. But that's, like, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like, when you hear the rest of the album, it's another one of the dual, uh, you know, the, the two CD albums. Mm. Um, you, just, you just listen to it, and there's so much... There's so much there. It's like a, it's not quite a concept album, but there's a there's a general theme to it. And uh, the cool thing about this album is that like he uh, he was like really heavy into drugs during this album, and normally that's not cool, but like. When you hear his new stuff, because when that album with Chief came out, yeah. that's when he that's when he got clean, and he's been clean since. But before that, like he was like you know the drug and all that stuff, uh, still come up with these very uh, creative um, thought the thought process behind the album. I mean, he moved to uh, I want to say it was Louisiana. No, he moved in New Orleans. It was specifically New Orleans, I want to say. But he, anyways, he moved somewhere, Louisiana, and he moved into, like, a funeral home. Um, And that's where he arranged this album. Like, he he did a lot of the work on it. um, Because it was like, if if you live in a funeral home, 
a form of funeral home, like it's gonna kind of like mess with your head, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this was to to kind of like help him in the creative process. Like, you know, he's very. It's almost like method acting in a way. But like, it got him into the mood for this album, and then like, just if you listen to the songs, you're in the content. It's just very, like, there's a lot of despair in the songs, but there's also hope in there, too. And so it's just, like, this this uh, tormented person who just has, you know, things aren't going right for them, whatever, you know, whatever the case may be, depending on the track. Um, you know, uh, looking for someone that you, that you love, um, you know, not giving up on them, that kind of stuff. Like, there's just a lot of themes. And so... That album, though, um, that really, really helped. Uh, I really helped like shape who I am uh, at some point. So that one—that's crazy. Hey, it's funny you said method uh, acting. So I'm look. I just googled a picture of him. I'd never seen what he looked like. Uh, it was always kind of like a mysterious veil. Um, but one of the pictures he looks like, what's the dude's name? Uh, Sasha Baron. Looks like oh, yeah. Borat. <laughs> he looks like Borat oh, yeah. on these pictures. But other than that, he's a uh, just average looking dude, and his music is a little trippy. Uh, oh yeah, there's, you know, I also think like they don't even have a greatest album because he and like that's the cool thing about uh, Trent Reznor is. He uh, he found out that like in Australia they were charging people like forty five U S dollars for one of his albums. Damn. And he dropped his record record label after that. Like not maybe because of that specifically, but it's part of what he did. And he started doing stuff like. Um, he started, he went independent, like he was like a big, you know, he's a big, a big musician and he went independent and started releasing his own stuff. And he started like releasing it via um, download, like he's one of the first big mainstream artists to, to go download. Mm. Um, like you can go to their website and they'd send you a link and you could download the new album. Um, and, you know, he just, like for his album, uh, um, year, it's called uh, Year Zero that's a full concept album the whole album is about um, in the future like uh, this outer space entity comes down and punishes us for what they've observed us doing and they basically put us into this post-apocalyptic uh, we're on watch kind of thing mm-hmm. and um, each song is like from the perspective of somebody in that story and when it was released he actually Trent Reznor actually released like six of the songs I want to say um, via um, leaks so she's got a concert going and uh, let's just say uh, in Germany he, he's got a concert going to Germany mm-hmm. 
um, one of the people, one of the, the concert goers, they go in the bathroom, take a leak, and they see a USB drive on top of the urinal. Uh. People are going to do what they do. So what, they, what does this person do? They pick up the drive, they take it home, and they play it. They, you know, they put it in the computer and see what's on it. And it's a Nine Inch Nails track, unreleased. Crazy. That's good marketing, who it, though. Who put it there? Trent Reznor. And so each, each, uh, I just remember a couple, like the first two songs that got released like that, I was like, damn, this is good, good stuff. So anyways, yeah, um, another little fun fact about Trent Reznor is, uh, Timbaland, one of your favorite producers, uh, yeah. he said that he said that one of his favorite producers was Trent Reznor. Dope. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope, man. Well, I think you got a solid list. Uh, what was the first one you said again? The first, my first uh, album. Yeah. Probably Deftones, White Pony. Okay, yeah, Deftones. I need to listen to the Deftones, and, you know, I, I got to be honest, I haven't listened to a lot of Linkin Park. Um, I like, you know, the mainstream stuff, uh, but, you know, the deep cuts, nah, I need, to, I need to go back and listen. And I'm sure it's good, because they're good. I've seen it. Oh, yeah, and that's the thing, like, um, you know, I didn't... I didn't put as many like hip hop and R and B albums in here because I figured that you were gonna get that covered. Yeah, I got uh, I got you on that. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of like, you know, have a little bit a little bit more. Um another uh another uh recommendation, surprisingly, again, I didn't like it until after I went through and rediscovered uh, is My Chemical Romance. Because, mm. you know, when you hear about them, you think like, oh yeah, when they got like the, they got like the, uh, they got the white face paint, like skeletons and all that kind of stuff that they did for that one album. Um, but that one's called Welcome to the Black Parade. Really good album. It's a concept album um, about this patient with cancer and then like uh, there's different perspectives of going through the you know the journey of having cancer and all that stuff so that's a pretty cool album um, but yeah there's there's so many cool like albums that and that's what I love is that I don't find these things until afterwards so whenever people tell me like hey go listen to this album usually I'll give it a chance because yeah. I know that I find some of my best stuff on the recommendations of other people. Cool. All right. Uh, well, shit. I, I think that's our episode, man. We gave the people uh, a lot of content. Gave them a lot of music that they can go dig into if they uh, feel so inclined. Um, so, yeah, go back and listen. Discover some new stuff. Um, I don't have anything else, man. What about you? Man, uh, Janet 
Oh, yeah, she deserves it. It's about time. Rock on, dude. Yeah, rock on. Radiohead's in there, too. Radiohead. Radiohead's pretty awesome, dude. Not really familiar, but I'm sure they deserve it. Um, Yeah. Well, with that being said, let's go ahead and wrap it up because uh, we, we get to the end of this thing here. And uh, we're running out of time on this recording. But I think we did it, man. Again, I want to apologize for last week. That was my bad. But we back on schedule. And uh, we're going to hit you guys with another banger next week. So, uh, yeah. You guys got this one. So look forward to the next one. Share it with your friends and your family. Uh, if they don't like it, tell them to shut up and listen to it anyway. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. You got anything? No, I mean, you said it just, you know, just shut up and listen. All right. Yeah, let's do that. All right, guys. We'll, go, we'll catch you on the next one. Peace.